0: Hello everyone and welcome to Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Havlin. Tonight's episode brought to you by Yoga Mats. Go ahead, roll up your sweat. My guest is Hassan Minaj, a correspondent for the Daily Show with Trevor Noah and the writer and star of his own one-man show, Homecoming King, playing through November 15th, 2015 at the Cherry Lane Theater right here in New York, New York. The city's so nice, it made you completely forget about Old York. Right? Fuck that place. Seriously. This is a good one, Blockheads. You know I don't lie. You know me better than that. I went to see Hassan's show, loved it, and that's what we decided to focus on for this episode. How do you go about putting together a one-man show? It's a legitimate question, and Writer's Block has the answers. That's why you're here. You know you love it. Hassan and I discussed the origins of his show. What was the seed? Where did it start? When did he first realize he had something to say? And how would he say it? That's the key, isn't it? What's the root? What's below the surface? What's not only behind the words, but also scrambled up inside of them? And how long do you bake that? And at what temperature? Okay, I may have forgotten what I was talking about. My point is, there are questions you have to ask yourself when you're putting together a show like this. And what Hassan helps us realize in this episode is that if the answers aren't honest, you're not only lying to your audience, you're lying to yourself. And neither one of those things is good. This is our search for the truth. I'm not gonna tell you if we found it. I'm not sure we did, but we looked. And maybe, when it comes to the truth, the search itself is the discovery. That's how deep this shit goes. Ah, uh, damn, girl. This is episode 51. My guest is Hassan Minaj. I'm J.R. Havlin. You're part of the writer's block now. Good choice. do this yes all right hassan minaj
1: R. R. on writer's block yeah
0: i hear you're you're a blockhead yourself big fan i'm a huge fan we're not in the podcast dungeon it's gonna feel like it in a minute but we are in um hassan's closet
1: <laughs> yeah are we not we're in my walk-in closet
0: yeah we had a couple of options but we went upstairs in your building and you have some rooms up there that people were in we couldn't do it
1: yeah there's a great lounge and your
0: wife has people over out in the living room yeah they're watching something.
1: Uh, they're watching the NBA. Right now, the Cavs and the Bulls are playing, which is an NBA season opener. Season opener. Great crazy. matchup. You got LeBron James versus Derrick Rose. A lot of pandemonium, a lot of excitement. But and, we're uh, also in New York, and
0: you have the World Series. We also have and, the yeah, World yeah, Series. We're yeah, we'll be working. There's a party going on, and they're watching basketball. Yeah, that's true. I, there are a lot of those games left.
1: I Yeah, I, I, but I grew up, to me, baseball is like watching the paint dry, unfortunately. Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. basketball fan, yeah. yeah okay. but just the pace of the game and everything like that. i
0: watch playoffs of every sport. Oh really?
1: Of all, yeah, every sport, hockey. What what do you think is the most exciting? Now, because you because you're not emotionally invested into one. I feel like you actually have an objective opinion on all of it. So what is the funnest to watch? I li- I like watching
0: baseball because there's a lot. interest. Yeah. I like watching baseball. Okay. Yeah, it's not the most exciting though. Oh But wow. it's the most intriguing to me because I I probably know it better.
1: As the rules in the sport itself. Do you use sports as a way? Is sports the one thing that you can watch? To avoid my family? Yeah, to avoid your family, but to just unwind and not have to emotionally plug yourself into anything else. In other words, like I, I had an interesting conversation with my manager where I go, what do you watch? And she goes, I, I try not to watch a lot of stuff because a lot of times when I watch stuff, it's like, oh, my client should be in that or I should be doing that or da-da-da-da. You're thinking of it very critically. So I go, what do you watch? She goes, The Real Housewives of Orange County. Cause she's like, I can. completely – She doesn't want anybody to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can completely unplug. I yeah, have right. no desire for anyone that I love or care or work for. Right. To be a part. To of be this. involved. In I this can thing. truly let go. And she goes, "What's that for you?" And I go, "I love watching stuff like Game of Thrones and period pieces because we don't exist in them." Yeah. Right. We meaning brown people.
0: Right. Oh, I see. I see.
1: <laughs> there's, just, no, there's no. There's we no. We also as modern day individuals. Yeah. 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 But I, I don't, don't have a dragon friend. Right, right, right. But when I watch Daredevil on Netflix, I'm never like, "Oh, if only there was an Indian Daredevil." Which is, but that's something I fight for. I think I, I hope, I hope that my children or my children's children can see the day where that is a possibility and it is a feasible thing. But then the Indian Without,
0: Daredevil is going to say, "Like, I'm not.
1: I'm just Daredevil. Don't think of me as Indian Daredevil." Correct. Right. Exactly. So, like,
0: we're begging for an Indian Daredevil. Hasan Minaj, by the way, is Indian.
1: I'm Indian. Oh yeah, you guys can't see uh, ethnicity through audio.
0: Yeah. And you may not have caught the name yeah. Hassan Minaj. Yeah, it's so and funny. Put two and two together. It's so
1: funny when my dad, my dad growing up, used to say, "Hassan, don't tell people that you're Muslim." I'm like, "My name is Hassan Minaj." Yeah, it's a pretty. I name Yeah, I don't know what you in want. In California. To do. Yeah, I don't know what you want me to do.
0: So you grew up in
1: Northern California. I grew up in Davis. Were you born in? I was born in Davis. Oh, you were born. Well, in I was Davis. born in the hospital in Woodland, which is eight miles out of Davis. Right, right. But yeah, but yeah, I went to UC Davis. Yeah. Right.
0: Which is crazy. And you didn't study agriculture.
1: No, I didn't. Or veterinary sciences. So it's it's why. Well, I didn't know they were veterinary sciences. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big deal at Davis. So it's kind of crazy. You went to Humboldt, right? No, I no, went to sorry. Hayward. Hayward. Yeah. I bought my weed from Humboldt. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> That's great. Only me and you got that. No. You think
0: being humble, people know a lot about Humboldt? If Jason Ross is listening, he'll get it.
1: Oh, boy, oh,
0: boy. <laughs> Of course he will. He grew, up, he grew up out there.
1: Oh, man. Dude, that's a great reference.
0: So, and you grew up with... Uh, your mother was not there, though. Well, okay, so... What like ha- your show, we're, we're here. I, I went to... Let me just yeah, preface yeah, yeah, this. Okay. I went to uh, Hassan's... What, do you call it a one-man show? Where yeah, it's a one-man man show. Up? Yeah, yeah. Homecoming King at the Cherry Lane Theater, and it was fantastic. And uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about putting a show together. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about rewriting, working with a director... This is all about a one-man show. Hassan is Correct. also, uh, and that's running at the Cherry Lane. If you're in New York or near New York, go check it out. If you're not, but you have friends that are, then tell them to go check it out. It's yes. a great show. And Hassan is also a uh, correspondent on The Daily Show. Correct. And you mentioned that in your show. I do. That was one other thing I wanted to tell you about, actually, yeah. was you've seen the video of you, of John telling you that. Yes.
1: Did Can you not use that in your show? One of the things that I wanted to think about was that and I talked about it with my director. Was that he was like, we, it was just a choice that we wanted to make. The videos, Jen Flans took it, who's one of the executive producers on the show. It's a little shaky. Yeah, you can't fully hear what I'm saying. You can't fully hear what John is saying. She goes, "It's so much more powerful if you mm-hmm. describe it." And you're and you're and believe it or not, in storytelling, the person performing and the words itself is the most powerful medium. And when I was first working with Greg Wallach, my director. I actually derive a ton of inspiration from musicians. I actually think the music industry and what musicians are doing right now and touring and stage shows is ahead of the curve. And comedy and live performance in comedy and improv is trying to catch up to that. If you notice, like, the way music built around big music festivals and then they've built variety shows around those music festivals and built a community around that, comedy's kind of start slowly trying to do that with things like Riot Comedy Festival, South by Southwest. So I derived a ton of inspiration in the stage design and the way stuff was built and you could experience so many different things. And Greg, my director, was like, calm down, calm down, calm down. That's great. Coldplay can do that and you too can do that and Kanye can do that. But just understand that the most powerful thing in storytelling is your voice and you just being the singular focus, sharing the story. You don't need tons of gizmos and gadgets for it to be great. Yeah, you don't need a laser show. Yeah, you don't. And... Music sometimes needs that because your people are dancing. Sometimes people are doing drugs. Sometimes people just want to videotape it to videotape it, and they need something visually kind of appealing. Um, but but stand storytelling is a very intimate medium. It's actually it doesn't you don't need a ton for it, and so I you actually want people to hang on the words. Sure, yeah, yeah, and um, I've even noticed performing it sometimes when certain visuals come up. I don't call it out, but I've seen people reach into their pockets, pull out their phones and take a photo. And I realized I was like, oh, it's not that it's not that they're insulting the show. It's that they're being like, oh, this is just visually cool. I need to capture this to be like I was here.
0: Before we get going too long, I want you just to kind of give everybody an idea of what the what the show is.
1: Sure. Yeah. So the show is an autobiographical journey of basically my life. The centerpiece of it was the story that I told on the Moth Radio Hour called Prom. Basically, it was a story a couple years ago. The Moth, you're familiar with the Moth, right? They have these story slams and stuff. So they come to L.A. at this festival called the Riot Comedy Festival. They come to L.A. The theme of the show was heartbreak. I get a call like, you know, an hour before, do you want to come do this comedian story slam? I was like, okay, I get there. The theme is heartbreak. I was... I'll just be honest, like the thing, the one thing that I thought about the most in my life, that was the biggest heartbreak that I had was that prom story about me um, trying to go to prom with this girl that I really cared about and not being able to go with her. And so... I lost that story, Sam, miserably, because I didn't adhere to any of the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, you were talking about that, yeah. that in the Q and A afterwards. Yeah, like, yeah. why
0: is it? Why is somebody doing a slide whistle with me right yeah, now? I just, yeah, I've, I'm not done with my story. So it's
1: it's five minutes, <laughs> and then every minute you go over, a piccolo goes off. Yeah, yeah. So, right. So like, piccolo. yeah, you'd be like, you'd be at this like harrowing moment of the story, and it's like, and that's when I told her. You know, that's when she told me she couldn't go to the dance with me. Brrrr, you know, and another person would be like, and that's when the doctor came in and said, sir, you have, you know, it was just like, it was just horrible. Anyways, I lose horribly because I didn't adhe- stick to the rules. Yeah,
0: you lose points that way.
1: And so then Catherine, who's the creative director of the monster, was like, you should do this. Like, you should flush this out into something more. I met up with my director, Greg Wallach, who had actually moved to L.A. at the time, who had spent 25, 20 plus years in New York City. As a storyteller, performer, comic, and director. Mm -hmm. That was really his community. And how did you hook up with this guy? Baron Vaughn. This comedian named Baron Vaughn. Yeah, I know him. Really funny guy. Really interesting Mm -hmm. guy. Saw it and was like, you guys need to meet. And it was just one of those things where it was just a melding of the minds where he was able to tap into my comedy brain and then reach out into that theater world and merge the two. In other words... um, and Paul Prevenza broke this down for me too when we were working on the show. Me and me, Greg and Paul, just like sat down after one of the LA previews. We had a we had a little run stint in LA, and Paul said this amazing thing to me. I was like, "Well, Paul, why do you do so many like stage shows? Like, why do you direct so many?" He directed Kelly Carlin's, and he goes, um, "With stand up, I just felt like I could only play notes A through M. Like, there's a finite number of notes I can play. I go to a club any night and I'll see some of my favorite comedians, and they can just go th- from here to here. It's like with the theater." You can go A through M and N through Z. You can literally do the whole thing because you can be funny. You can do voices. You can do act outs. You can show visuals. You can do your entire act as a dissection of one particular concept, i.e. Colin Quinzon's constitutional. Like that can be your show and that counts. When you're doing an hour at the Tempe Improv, it's not going to play. It's just not going to work. There's drinks. It's just, it's just not going to play right. But when people come to the theater, you can do all those things. So it's actually more liberating than stand-up. Oh, of
0: course. It's far, it can be far more creative. Not that stand-up isn't creative, but there's, there are restrictions that you can't violate. Yeah. You can't tell a, an emotional story. And in a one-man show like yours, uh, in at least, I mean, even if it's funny, most people are going to get to some poignant moment right and you have a number of those you know uh-huh. you have a number of them and you escape from them with a punchline or a funny thing that happens right for the on on maybe most of them but you do let a couple hang and i appreciate that like i like that yeah that because that's a hard moment for a comic not necessarily for an actor
1: yeah you know yeah but
0: for for a comic to oh man bear an
1: emotion and then let it let that silence sit there yeah. is just death. I have this story that I tell about my friend Kevin, and the end of the story is just about like, yeah, he's my best friend and I'm proud to be his best friend. It's it's it sounds literally when I would rehearse it with my director, I'd be like, we gotta get rid of it. Just just cut it, just cut it, just cut it. He's like, why? I'm like, because it's corny, because it's uh there's no punch at the end, there's no blah 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 blah. And he's really made me sit in that. And he's like, "You're not. That's good. You don't. It doesn't have to. You don't have to like uh, get him at the right. very end of it." Yeah. It, well, it, there's
0: that tendency. Yeah. And that's, I think, probably what prevents us talking about. Yeah. Um, and he's done. He's been doing one man shows forever himself. Oh, on forever top of himself. That. Yeah. But being able to do that is. I don't know if it's liberating. It's just challenging in a different way. Yeah. But it's also... uh, um, It may be emotionally liberating. And, you know, it's a good thing that your director, like, was able to get you to do that. Yeah. I know. I remember that moment. And I remember the crowd reacting to it, you know, in a, in a, like, a positive way, even though it was like... Sure. But I see what you're talking about. With that that line in particular, it does seem... I can imagine it does seem corny. It does feel weird. And you don't want that to happen. So... As a performer, you need to find out you know, what that line really means to you, what it means to the show, yes. and only
1: think about that and have it be honest or it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that Greg talked about thematically in the show is one of the big things and sort of the driver of the show is that prompt story and feeling and being betrayed. But one thing that we wanted to show, and, and as I brought him basically, I mean, it's almost 200 pages of a Word doc of just stories from my life that's how you started off well we started off just he had seen that prom story
0: okay let's let's yeah, take yeah, a little yeah. break we'll come yeah. back and we'll, we'll yeah. get back into like how this thing came from this one story yeah into sure what it is sure i'm with hassan minaj you're listening to writer's block this is J.R. Havlin. don't go anywhere don't go anywhere seriously don't go anywhere about to get good I mean, it's already good, but it's about to get even better. It's time to waltz through the brain of a comedy writer and find out not only how you put together a show, but why. If you're listening to this before November 15th, and I hope you are, you can still see Hassan's show at the Cherry Lane Theater in New York City, so definitely do that. In the meantime, let's keep filling those ear holes with creative goodness. You're listening to Writer's Block Podcast. My guest is Hassan Minaj. All right, we're back. I just kind of cut
1: myself off. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. <laughs> mid-sentence. Yeah, you're navigating <laughs> this thing, man. You're driving the ship, baby. I'm waiting JR, I'm waiting for the questions from you, man.
0: So, we were just talking about the show kind of stemming from this one particular story. Yes. That that somebody said that's a great story. You need to either make that a bigger story or well, I mean, make it a bigger story by adding other stories that have a similar theme to it. Yeah. Cuz that theme is working for you in this story. Right. What what was it? Was that the idea? Was it like take that and make it a movie or was it like this theme works for you? Find
1: other things. What it what it was, was the visceral response it gave people. So many people came up to me and told me stories after I told that story about standing on this person who I really cared about, standing on their doorstep and being told I can't be with them because of, um, you know, the color of my skin or whatever. So many people No, not or whatever. That's what it was. That actually what it it was. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. It's just it's uncomfortable to say are you and the unique thing was people feeling feeling regardless of their race, ethnicity, creator, class having similar doorstep moments where they felt other and not accepted for being who they are. And so that theme just really struck people in a very poignant way. Uh-huh. Cuz I'll be honest, to me I had hit I had hidden it for years and years and years. I didn't share it with comics, I didn't share it with friends. That story, yeah, it's a very embarrassing thing. Also, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, it also feels very it feels very trodden. Oh, I couldn't go to the dance. It just feels lame. And then the third thing, which is a pre- prevalent theme through the whole show, is, well, if I share it with people, what will people think? And then that became this huge runner that presented itself time and time again in my life. And I talk about it. The, the Hindi version or Urdu version is called Lokya get what will people think? But I think that's one of the most prevalent themes in the human existence. Yeah. And that's another thing
0: I was going to talk to you about was that Obviously, that is kind of the main theme in the show. Correct. Yeah. So, so a, a lot of it is, and this seems to be a fairly big thing in the Indian culture, in particular. Sure. Or something. I mean, sure. They have, Absolutely. They have a phrase. I mean, we obviously have a phrase too. It's yeah. What would people think? Yeah. But and then this it's has sp- more meaning, or it's a it's a more prevalent thing. And I've been told culture.
1: by you know by my friends that speak Spanish, they also have a, a, a saying like that too, of just like this almost the saying that parents tell their children in regards to like almost like shame, like yeah, come on, like. Come on, pull it together. You know, what people are looking at us. What will people think? Think of our image. Think of what... what well, that's just why. Yeah. Because it
0: comes across, because you use the Urdu phrase for it, Yeah, it comes across as a, like an even bigger thing within your culture, right. within that culture. Right. But we all live our life concerned with what people will think. Correct. And that was in the original story when you did it at Moth. Yes, And how long did it take for you to realize that's what the rest of this thing has to be
1: about? As I, we sort of reverse engineered and started, okay, well, what was life before that? And then I was already sort of in my standup doing some autobiographical material. Greg saw some of that and he saw a lot of those themes. Then, you know, this piece has really been living and breathing. It's very fresh. I talk about just getting married 10 months ago. So the piece has really been evolving and growing and... I kept realizing those moments of Lok Ya Keng, it kept happening over and over again in regards to getting married, in regards to her family, in regards to so many different things.
0: Well, even like planning a wedding. You, yeah. you, what, what if you use carnations? Right, roses? Right, right, What right, will right. people think?
1: What will people think, man?
0: It's just like every decision you make yeah. is on that. So I think the theme is great. And the Provenza is-
1: went so far as to say he wanted the show to be called What Will People Think? Uh-huh. <laughs> which I thought was a little too on the head. Yeah. But what it did inspire and you see in the show is there certain moments. Did you see it like on the screen when it flashed at the doorstep? Um, no. It, but... it, when Beth, Bethany's mom is is telling me. Oh, you mean just yeah, a doorstep. It yeah, wasn't a, like a, okay. the doorstep. But there, there was also a flash of the word in Hindi. Okay. Right. Um, just little allusions to it thematically, right. it weaving itself in. Another thing that, as we dug deeper, prevents us at another amazing thing. I actually respect his honesty here. He goes, "Look, I'll be honest with you, man. As a guy that's like, you know, in my fifties, I could give two shits about prom. I'll be. He's after seeing my show. Give two shits about prom, man. But what I do think is interesting in your story, and I want you to dig deeper here. And this got us working even harder. Is he goes, "We live in a world where." People are from different countries are killing each other. It's us versus them, Palestinians versus Israelis, Sunnis versus Shias, so on and so forth. And it's been like that for millennia. You've trickled and boiled that down into something as innocuous and as micro as why a boy can't go to prom with another girl. You've taken what, you know, these big, big things and you've just boiled it down to that. He goes, use your personal experience as a way and a tool to talk about these bigger macro things. That inspiration got us to work on stuff in act 1 where I started talking about the difference between Hindus and Muslims. Mm. I started talking about the riots. I started talking about people killing each other. Mm. And then great just greater commentary. Can we even can you even tell the difference? And I'll ask people in the audience that are brown like can you tell like let's just pull up the Gujarat riot footage right now. Let's pull it up. Can you tell if this person's Hindu or Muslim? Can you, can you tell? Can you tell? Yeah, that was, that was an interesting thing. So
0: yeah. during during Hassan's show He's starting to point out just how people have been fighting other people just because they're kind of supposed to. Yeah. They're they're born and bred into this thing that like oh we don't like th- this. those people. Yeah. And they don't like
1: us. Yeah. I call it Montagues and Capulets. Yeah. Every every culture, every country, every whatever. this is just this has been prevalent again in, since since human existence. This f- form of tribalism. So what you do is you bring up pictures of brown people. Yeah.
0: And. You ask somebody who in the audience who's not a brown person. I, I couldn't. I would imagine you pick out
1: a non-brown person. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like let's just let's just be honest here. Yeah.
0: So so you you pick them out to tell you whether or not that person is Muslim or Hindu. Yes. And of course they can't tell. Yes. But it it, it felt like a trap to me. Like <laughs> you you know there's nothing that they can do. It it felt like that. That um, you definitely had a point to make. Yeah. 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 But. It went on for so long that I thought you were going to make a point other than the kind of more obvious point that comes out of it. Right. Which is, you know, you can't tell the difference. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Like there was a, there's a lot of buildup there yeah. that wasn't – I didn't feel like was totally necessary to be able to say like, no, you can't tell the difference
1: because – It's a socially made up yeah. construct that we've just been kind of programmed to believe. But it, JR, it, you know, it actually, it actually gets even more complicated. Let's say – let's just take South Asia for example. JR, in theory – if I were to take a look at you, listeners, maybe you can Google image J.R. Havlin. You could be a light skinned Pakistani guy from Islamabad. In theory, there are people that look like you from Karachi, from Islamabad. And in theory, we could have the same ethnic background. Honestly, the point that I'm trying to make, and I, I use this as a throwaway line, is that this stuff is a socially made-up construct used to divide us. Partition should have never happened. The division between India, Pakistan, Bangladesh should have never happened. But that's another theme for another show for another time. But I'm trying to say that in a condensed way. And this was a fundamental reason why there was a ton of sort of beef, pun intended, drama between, you know, getting married to a person who is from another uh, religion. right? Even despite the fact that, you know, like... We, we've come together and we had a muslim wedding and all that stuff it's still that's still it's still were a very her heated parents thing.
0: okay with the muslim wedding they
1: were cool they were great i have great i have amazing but does she practice
0: her religion you practice her religion and you know i mean i don't know the diff the big oh the difference the, the, between
1: the, 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 the new i mean well the point that i was just trying to make is that all that stuff is i think we're all sort of human beings practicing like we're living in the same cosmic reality and it, it, these things aren't I don't think it's it's worth sort of fighting over. No, no. You know what, well, I
0: mean? no but right, but then you have like, well, this is this is our shrine or this is where right, right, our right. guy was born or this yeah. is not that's where our guy was born. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not even your guy. That's yeah, our guy. I yeah. think that's your guy. That's yeah. our guy.
1: Well, and, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. So, I remember being in elementary school. And remember when Bosnia, the Bosnian Chechenian stuff was going on? Oh, there was I? yeah, good times. <laughs> the good times. There was a there was a Chechenian kid at our school. And someone said, hey, are you Bosnian? He's like, how dare you say that to me? And I remember that memory very vividly. And I was like, oh, that happens actually between Indians and Pakistanis. And I was like, it's so arbitrary because if you just step out of your little bubble of reality, just widen your lens just ever so slightly, you'll realize people outside of this bubble will be like, I don't know what you guys are fighting over. And that there's something there's something there to me that it's like, you know how you sometimes need a third party to objectively tell both sides? It's like you guys are kind of being stupid.
0: Do do neither one of you see what I'm looking at? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And that's something that I kind of wanted to highlight in the show a little bit, you know, and it's touchy. It's a touchy thing. John actually has a great quote about this where they're like, do you think if religion was removed from like society, the world would be a better place? And John was like, no, humans would find another way to divide themselves. They'd be like, "We're this, and you're that. We're light-skinned, you're dark-skinned. We're blah 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 class, you're this class. We're this cast, you're that cast." They would have just found another way to do it. I believe that's partially true.
0: Well, yeah, of course it is. I mean, we we separate ourselves in every way all through life. Yeah. There's like, and when I was going through high school, there's jocks and stoners. Like, yeah, you know, there's, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, And, and nerds. And, yeah. Yeah. And whatever. So. Yeah. There's all those subdivisions, as uh, um, yeah. as Neil Peart. Yeah, of Rush would say it's Peart, by the way. Is it Peart? Oh, okay. Yeah. Did not know that. I saw. I, I watched a thing either. on Rush, and, and he wrote all their lyrics. That's why. I oh, dropped, really? Dropped. Plus, I play the drums, so I got to drop oh, old okay. Neil Peart whenever I can. Oh, wow. You have okay. no idea what I'm talking. about. I
1: have no idea. <laughs> I was like, what, <laughs> what, what is what is the so what was Neil, the wrong? The pronunciation?
0: Rush, Rush has Rush has a song called Subdivisions, and okay. it's, it's all about people breaking off into different groups. And yeah. people shunning people who are not in their groups. Yeah, yeah. And how fucked up that is.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, that's a heavy theme. And that's that that's the thing that you're thinking about throughout the show. Yes. That you try to make everything in the show about. So Great. we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about putting the show together under one single theme. Great. Hassan Minaj is my guest. Be right back. See what I mean? This is some heavy shit. Not that we here at Writer's Block Podcast make a habit of peddling nonsense, but what you're listening to now is the type of conversation you normally have to have in your own head with yourself if you're going to create something real. Ah, uh, dynamite. Twitter reminder alert, at Writer's Block Pod, at JR Havlin, at Hassan Minaj. follow all of those, and because I care, at Katy Perry. Don't let her down, blockheads. She needs you now more than ever. Let's get back to the action, including a quick game of what weird patterned shirt does Hassan have hanging in his closet? That is so writer's block. All right, back. It's starting to get hot in here, right? It's getting a little warm. So you warm. want to open it up? I mean, it's still um, yeah, quiet. Yeah, it's quiet. Oh yeah, some nice air too. Yeah. This is that'll change the sound of it though. So let's close. Let's get some air in here. Yeah, yeah. Let's just let's air get it
1: up. <laughs> hey, wait. Hang on. Do, Can we do this. Do, 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 yeah. Oh, that's.
0: Oh good. boy! Oh the, boy! The... the by the way, he's fanning fanning us
1: with the door. Jr., have you seen the Mar- have you read the Martian, the book, the Martian? No. Oh, you've seen the movie. With- I yeah. haven't seen it yet. Okay, me neither.
0: I saw do Steve you, Jobs last night. Do you get time ta- Do you get time to watch movies and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. Now I do.
1: Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk off the record uh, when the mic is off about yeah. life and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right.
0: All right. All right. We're back. I'm uh, with Hassan Minaj. Yes. And. Um, Hasan Minhaj's wardrobe, because we're in his closet.
1: <laughs> All right, right, right.
0: This is the second writer's block I've taped in somebody's walk-in closet.
1: This is Bina's wardrobe, my wife. It's Bina's wardrobe. Yeah, it's my, look how sparse and mine you is. You know
0: what? I mean, if you gave me, if you asked me to guess, I think I could have nailed it. Right, right, right. right. You know, given some time to really, like, yeah, re- take really it right. who's, take it in. Yeah,
1: like, who's, who's, who's? Yeah. Some of these things
0: might look very nice on you. Sure, but, sure. I uh, would look great um, in
1: this um, Lenga. Like oh, they
0: have kind of a lumberjack thing happening here. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, look, we only have a finite
1: number of things we can wow, wear. As men. Look at yeah, this, this one's really kind, of this? This this have a kind of loud. This yeah, is this is long loud. sleeve button down. This is loud. This, this is loud. Okay, so what the blues. That? Yeah, Dude, I don't what, know. What do
0: you? What would you?
1: I don't know. I thought it might work. It's not working. Um... <laughs> But these work, you know,
0: basic They must Oxford's. have had some
1: really weird fucking lighting in the store where you tried that on. Yeah, and I was like, oh, cool. Damn. And I realized, like, camo, it only works as a small accessory. You can kind of use it as a thing to pop. You know what I mean? Like a little, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like camo vans or something. I have a pair of camo vans. I'm like oh, I, pr-
0: I, I prefer to go the John Stewart route and just do khakis and a t-shirt every day. Every day. Yeah. That's smart. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about
1: it. It's smart. It's
0: a matter of like why waste your time doing that. Albert Einstein had all the same he had a closet full of the same suits. It's just like Monday through you know, Monday through Sunday. And he'd take it off and he'd put it on and he'd go. Because to him, choosing an outfit was a complete waste of time. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So good for him. And he got some stuff done. He got a lot he of stuff. He got a few done. things done. He did some cool stuff. Imagine if he was like, Oh God, what we'll die. Like we might there's so many things we might not have. <laughs> Yeah. Or understand about the universe in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him. I Wardrobe appreciate.
1: Aside, it. social media does that to me. Where it just drains. It drains. It's, it's just. Uh, drains. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah. What are you
0: gonna do? What are you gonna What's gonna do? the modern world? Ugh. So, we were talking about the the big theme. Yeah. What will people think? think? Boy, what will people think? You just don't make you don't make a single decision without. I don't go buy juice without thinking. God, what's the woman who rings this shit up gonna think? (laughs) You know, should I get the greens one or the greens two? Because she's gonna know something's up.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then she's gonna she's gonna use that and extrapolate and make a hypothesis of your health and be like, wait, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. You know what's weird is that it 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 keeps presenting itself over and over again in my Mm -hmm my director reminds me of that. Sometimes when we were working on the project, I even wanted, there were certain things where I didn't want to say certain things in Hindi. I talk about uh, this time when I steal my sister's bike and yeah, uh, I, I mess up the bike. And then I, I, I go, you hear the pitter patter of her chappals, means sandals running towards me. And he's, I was like, ah, I don't think people will get it. And he's like, stop, you keep worrying about that. He's just like, he keeps reminding me. And I've tried to present that as clearly as possible. She's like, just deliver it authentically. For better or for worse. And let whatever kenge, let them kenge whatever they want to say. Like, this is you. So just be you. And um,
0: well, ka- That's an interesting decision because I I, did, I don't recall that coming out. So maybe it was a matter of, no, that didn't affect me. I kind of, you said something. Yeah. I pretty much knew what you were talking about. I, I think I probably thought it meant feet. Sure. And not sandals. Sure. But I was there. Yeah. I was in, at the right body part. Right. I do like that about the show that there's, it's well balanced in those kind of things and that we were talking about using images. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking like, oh, an image might have worked well there. But then I wonder if it's just a matter of like, you know, limiting that, which you want to do because you don't want to distract from the story. Yeah. Which is what this is about. This is not a rock concert.
1: Sure. Yeah. And then it's like, it's like, look. You can set it up, me you speak the same language. You can set it up like an act one at TDS where it's just like da 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 visual and like play off the visual and you can do that. But there's also something to be said about the most powerful thing on stage again is you, your voice, your story, and conveying the narrative and pushing it forward. And then if it needs it, sure, go for it. And don't get me wrong, there's some moments where I I really milk it and it's necessary or sometimes it's just a great joke. So that's that's I do it. So
0: when you first started with your director, you showed him a bunch of material. You had a bunch of stories. Were these stories that you already had? Did you write them up separately because you are now in the process of creating this show? No. You had them done already? I had just journaled a lot of stuff. Okay. So you have it journaled. You show him all these things. And so is is he going through? And do you just open it up to him to pick out stories that he thinks will we'll work with this because they're within the same theme or because he can find that theme
1: within it? What we would do is we would just open up, we would share stories. I would do storytelling shows around L.A., and we would just build, almost like an act. I would build a 15-minute chunk, me and my sister. I would build a 15-minute chunk about me and my dad. The hard, I would build a 15-minute But minute
0: this whole time, you're thinking about building the whole show. You're in the process of building the show.
1: Correct, but I was like, maybe the show will happen, maybe it'll never happen. I don't know. I was just like, Greg, I, want, I need your help. Help me. I think there's something here.
0: And how long was this process?
1: By a year ago, we... Okay, so... And you see the living, breathing moments. So there was the moments where... I call it pre-Pizza Hut commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where it was like, hey, this is where I'm at. This thing happened to me. This was her response. This is how I felt. And then one of the things that Greg, honestly, because and this is, this is again, his theater experience talking to a stand-up. It's like, Let it live and breathe, man. If it doesn't have an ending yet, fine. So be it. Just let it find itself. Let it find itself. You know,
0: you asked me about the play that I was writing. I, I, because I had told you about it one time when we, yes. when we had first met. Yeah. And one of the things that I did, because I'm not a playwright, but this, this idea lent itself to that format, I felt. And I wanted to explore it anyway and try this new thing. Sure. So I was like, well, okay, I need help. And what I did is I reached out to an old acting teacher. Who is, who is also a director, uh-huh. and um, I went to her and just said, "Here's the kind of idea I want to turn it into something.
1: What can we do?" And the did you ever have these moments where you were like, you would go up and maybe present a chunk, and then afterwards I would do this where I'm, I'm sitting down, just like I am with you, we're in two chairs across from each other, just like you know drinking water, whatever, just chopping it up, and I go, "Look, man, Greg, what I'm trying to say is, the hardest thing about when my dad's heart attack happened was that I'm he, he's about to go into surgery." And it's like, I don't know this guy and I have to sign a waiver, which is essentially almost like a death certificate. I'm saying goodbye to a person I don't know. And he would be like, just say that. Just say that. Like, I'm not going to cuss, but i uh, sorry. Screw this word document that you're reading out of. Just say that. Right. And we would just record. He's like, "Say it again, or whatever." Well, that's what, and yeah, that,
0: and that, and that's what we did. And that's, an, that's an interesting part of the, uh, the writing process, I think. And, and it seems like you did a lot of that with this. When you sit yeah. down and you talk to somebody, it's sort of like you can sit down and read a piece, and then when the person stops you and says, "Now, now, tell me what you just said," yeah, then you're forced to use different words, and you, yeah, yeah. and you all of a sudden say it right, yeah, and say, "Boom, that's yeah. it, yeah. that's what you say." And for my thing. Um, my teacher and I would go. We would just start talking about the characters and tell me this and tell me that and, and tell me about this person and, and So you didn't then, have a
1: document. You guys were just you guys. No, were just, no, no. Let's, let's we knew talk, the story. And we knew
0: certain things. Okay, okay, and, okay. I, and then like and then she got an actress, one of her actresses, to come in and play my mother, and um, but we didn't. I didn't write lines. We didn't have any lines. It was just like I, this scene is going to be about this. Oh, I sent her a breakdown wow. of who my mother was. I sent her pictures of my mother throughout her life and so she kind of created this character in her head and then we started just improvising the scenes because we knew what the what the content of the the basic content of the scene was going Had to be Had
1: you done improv before No no Wow But so, you and you, it was, was, like, you were but you were confident in your ability like
0: Well well I di- I didn't I, no I just I tried to just not even think about it because that became the writing process. And I was uh. very, I was actually very bad at it at first because everything she would do that I, in my head, immediately disagreed with, I would not let happen. Or I would even stop uh. and say, like, she wouldn't say that. And my teacher would say, no, she just said it. So respond to it and let's see where this goes. You have to find the places where it goes that you didn't know it was going to go. Uh-huh. Because a lot of times when we're living, we're living subconsciously and we don't even. Uh-huh. know the things that we're saying or we don't know why we're reacting a certain yeah, yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So how can you write it honestly unless yeah. you find it that way? Yeah. You know, that and one of the things that she would always do, this was really interesting to me. I wonder if you ever got this during your process. When I actually started writing lines for it and we're we're doing we're doing lines, then she would stop us. My teacher would stop us and she'd say, "Why did you say that?" You know, and she, wa- she wasn't she wasn't it was it, she would even pick random moments. It wasn't like she didn't know. She just thought, this is an interesting moment right here.
1: Yeah.
0: But I want to know what you're thinking. What,
1: so she stops wh- you guys and then she turns to you, JR, goes, JR.
0: Why did why did either why did oh, your wow. character say that or why did your mother say that?
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: And and I have to have an answer. And sometimes I had a very clear answer. Yeah, yeah, and she yeah. said, That's great. Keep that in mind, because that's what this whole thing is about. And other times I'm like, uh, I don't know, it's just like the right, cadence right, of it. I, you yeah, know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of a joke or whatever. Sure, don't, sure. don't do that. Don't do that. Stay away from that. So oh, that wow. was really good advice. When and when you're writing anything, particularly these kind of pieces. Yeah. Why are you saying that? You know, because wow. if you don't have a really good answer, a really good honest answer, it doesn't belong there. It doesn't belong there. It doesn't do anything for it. Yeah. If you're just telling a joke, and that's the thing that comics get caught up in, and Provenza and and your director. Um, did a really good job of keeping you away from that.
1: Yeah. Another thing that he wanted to do, um, and he he's kept me honest about, is that a thing that we can comics we can we try to we try to win. In other words, like I'm gonna crush, I'm gonna destroy, I'm gonna get these laughs, I'm gonna get them. Yeah, right. And he's just like, that's not interesting. First of all, you shouldn't think of I'm gonna gest- I'm gonna get this. He's like, you should give laughs, you should give love, you should give an emotion, first of all. And then secondly, no, that's, a, that's a deeper cut. That's right way that's deep, <laughs> man. That's some that's some crazy <laughs> theater-ish that he would bring in. I'm like, all right, man, I'm following yeah. you, Greg. Yeah. the second thing I, that he that he said was really interesting is he goes, When I, after I had told the prom stuff, and I was delivering it and I was performing it around town and it's slang, and you've seen me, I jump and I'd do a pretend dunk and all this crazy stuff on stage. Because that's cool, man. You someone betrayed you. Um but he's like, have you ever betrayed somebody? Like, have you ever fall victim to that? And that was actually the toughest thing to explore. It's two toughest things for me to explore. And that's the best friend yes. not backing him up. It was like, when have you really betrayed somebody? When all eyes were on you and you should have done something. Then, and then the second thing was the real dissection of why I felt, and this is, I talk about this in the prom story, why I felt that their family was right. And that sort of dissection of race and basically self hate and self
0: worth. Again, the moment that you're talking about is, um, your friend gets in a fight, mm-hmm. and when the, the, art the, duty. the yeah comes over to break it up and says, you know, who started this, what happened, you could have stepped up and you didn't. I didn't. And uh, I um, was standing. and yeah. you, you, you deceived your friend there. Yeah, I betrayed and, him. Yeah. Yeah, you betrayed your friend, and basically how different is that from any other thing you know, from from the thing that happened to you basically is what you're trying to say
1: um yeah i mean it was just th- it was thematically where it was like i could have should have said something stepped up and 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 risen above and risen above loki but i didn't
0: oh did you do you tell that story before you th- i think you tell that story before you then explain Through the girls, when she comes to New York and tells you, like, I felt bad, but I and I felt the worst thing was that I didn't do something
1: about it. Yes. Because I couldn't do something. about it. It's the
0: same kind of thing. And you knew that feeling. And that's why you were able to.
1: Yeah. Forgive her. Yeah. And it's like, dude, I've it's just you just got to be look. And and I even say it in the show. You care. A lot of times I've found this. It makes my life very easy as a stand-up comic and performer. There's a little bit of Frank Underwood slash Kobe Bryant in all of us. We have these chips on our shoulders, and we're just like, F everybody. Like, I'm going to get mine, blah, blah, blah. I mean, th- it does take a, a certain level of insanity to be like, I want to go up on stage and, and, and do this, and I should be validated this way and this way and this way. But When you're honest with yourself, you're like, hey, man, I'm just as flawed as the people that have quote-unquote wronged me. I'm just as flawed as the bookers that didn't say I was funny or the bullies that used to give me swirlies or call me camel jockey. I have just as many flaws. And this whole dissection of... Has ra- somebody
0: called you that?
1: Yeah, D- Dude, there was a friend of mine in high school and Jeez junior Christ. high. I remember... This, this is a friend. I actually called this person a friend. He wrote in my yearbook. I just... When, again, when we were writing and I was bringing all this stuff, he wrote in my yearbook, hey man, have a great summer, stay cool. And underneath that, he drew a picture of a camel drinking a Slurpee. Like, he put...
0: Yeah, but that's not... That's, he spitballed that's every, Unintentionally ma- malicious. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He's, he's, he's joking with you. Right?
1: I don't even know.
0: I don't even know. Oh, he, you, But you said he's a friend of yours. Well... That it seemed like the kind of guy who well, he, would do he, that to,
1: like... He just, he just wrote... a huge fuck you. Yeah, he just got to be joking. He wrote, like, hey, bad. camel. No, but we're in the eighth hey, grade. It's like, he doesn't... Yeah, he doesn't know... Um, he doesn't know the nuance. He was just being kind of like a dick. What I mean by that, and I and I've talked about this in other in other things. Uh, I gotta
0: say though, Camel drinking a Slayer piece. Camel drink is hilarious. <laughs> strong. Yeah, it's just like pretty let's pretty just strong. put every let's yeah. put
1: everything in in one cartoon. Yeah, he could have he he, he could have yeah he could have and potentially written for that that publication in France. Yeah. Uh, he's really good at sort of. But the, the thing that I wanted that I showed Greg, I, I was like, you know, the sad part is, is I was, I was like, yeah, whatever, it is what it is. Like I almost felt like yeah, I deserved it. And that's something that there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of baggage to unbox there. Wait, Hassan, what were you, why would you just put up with that? But I like, also what? like,
0: I don't know if, I don't know how much of this you think of in your head while you're doing the whole thing, but the idea of like, yeah, I deserve it. I, I don't, I, I don't agree with that. I, I think that you didn't deserve it. And the person that you did it to didn't deserve it just because you did it too. Doesn't mean you deserve to have it done to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's wrong. Yes. Both of the things were wrong. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a matter of, like, I deserve it because I did something wrong. It's like two wrongs don't make a right.
1: right, right. It's
0: a matter of... No, 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 but of... I'm saying
1: there's a second wrong. Like, let's say let's say you're walking, right, JR, and you're walking down the street. Someone spits in your face. That's objectively wrong, given yeah. that you didn't do anything wrong. You're just walking away. You're carrying your a podcast. I, I don't want to, you know, But let's say he definitively did do that. Right. Now, I'm not saying... with The argument that I'm presenting isn't that, hey, you deserve to be spat in the face because, hey, one time you you accidentally kicked a homeless man <laughs> you didn't but whatever it wasn't what, an accident what's effed up it wasn't an accident you did it on purpose but the effed up part is and the, something that would be really interesting to dissect is if you got spat in the face and you actually were like you know I probably deserve it Ah, eh, who am I like I, I'm just J.R. not I don't, I, don't, I don't really deserve to be treated well I actually had very low self esteem then and I was like I was so willing to be accepted by people at my school just so trying to fit in that I'd let him Always call thinking, me. Always thinking,
0: what would they think?
1: Yeah, I'll uh, and I remember, like, and you want it to be a positive. Yeah, answer. and you just want it to be. And I know there's so many kids that are in high school and middle school now that literally just put up with stuff like that, just to be part of what I call the blue benches or the cool crew of their school.
0: Really, I'll and be I honest. would I would add this to it before we go, and that is that like the guy spitting in your face thing. Yeah. Clearly, I would almost never react the way that I think I should react. Which is to say, like, well, any confrontation here is probably not going to go well. And it's not going to change whoever this person is that did what he just did for whatever reason he did it. Yeah. So the very best possible thing I can do is just accept that this person is an asshole. Yeah. And if I react in any way,
1: yeah, I'm basically the same thing.
0: And what does it hurt? Yeah. So did, who cares if somebody saw it? Yeah. What does it matter?
1: Yeah. Can I give you another thing? And you can speak it to me comic to comic. Okay. Okay. You know how when you're coming up as a comic, a bunch of comedians just talk shit about other people, right? And sometimes <laughs> to try to, like, fit in with the group, you might you might start partaking. You might, you might start zip-zap-zopping and throwing out the negative vibes. Then there's other people that are like, you know what? I'm not about that. I'm not about that happening towards me, I'm just going to separate myself from this pack. Comedy store used to be in LA used to be notorious for this, that it would like it would suck you into this vacuum. So, I actually admire and I aspire to be and I still, you know, I want to be that guy that's like, I know my worth, I know what I want to put out. So, I'm not going to be a part of this. Cuz I'm better than that and I don't want to be treated that way and I don't want to treat others that way. So the to take it back to the camel thing in my yearbook, I went back and still was friends with that guy and he wasn't a a witty guy doing bits at, at the comedy cellar he was just a dumb rugby player if i could go back and talk to eighth grade me i'd be like dude you are you deserve so much better than this don't be friends with that person you are better than this and you deserve better than this right keep it moving go tools clear history to him what he represents and all that stuff yeah right you know what i mean so can you explain? Uh, so I, I well, got we, lost there. Well, uh, but,
0: that, but that's a little bit of the same thing. And okay. what I'm saying is that the best decision is to abandon that situation. Yes, that's yeah, what I'm talking. Okay, about. great, great, great. Okay, so that, now, know, but fine. but but we rarely do that because you then you feel like oh, I should have done something. It's like Costanza when he's like, "Oh, I had the best line. I had the perfect line." Uh-huh. Goes back and tries to, and it's just never gonna. It's never gonna work. Yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Confrontation, unless you're you know, the biggest badass in the world doesn't uh-huh. usually work out for people. Uh-huh. What good does it do? Everybody gets angry at everybody. Yeah. But it just happens because it's human nature and we don't want to get stepped on. Sometimes you got to rise up a little bit in order to not have somebody, again, think it's okay to draw a camel in your yearbook. Do you still have the yearbook? Yeah. It's so fucked up.
1: So bad. So bad.
0: But still, camel with a... It's so finger. funny gotta
1: so that's really funny you know it's funny like how he was just like let me this is going to be fine yeah he was like let me put
0: dude you're going to love this you're going to love what i put in there he put see, but that's just it for all you know that's what he thought so the really the best thing is to be like you want to attack but there's a chance that if you went to that guy and said I, you know I, I i wonder if you understand yeah what's how this makes me feel or something. You know, it's yeah. like it's like therapy kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. well how does that make you feel you know but and I'm not saying like an eighth grade rugby player is really gonna bite on this right, and say, oh, look, let's talk about that let's sit right, down and discuss our feelings
1: right, right but
0: in the adult world, that's a better way to go about it is to understand that like oh I I kind of know you and my guess is, that for whatever reason, whatever experiences you've had in your life, yeah. you have no idea how offensive you're being right now. <laughs> right. So if I find a clever way to kind of explore that, you might understand it and go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Jesus, I never realized that a camel drinking a Slurpee yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: would be offensive yeah. to you. And calling you, hey, camel, <laughs> stay cool this summer.
0: All right, listen, we got to hey. go, man.
1: We gotta get out of here. We
0: gotta go. Hasan Minaj is in uh, Homecoming King at the Cherry Lane Theater through November fifteenth. If you're listening to this before that, then go. If you don't live in New York, call one of your friends who does and have them go. And hopefully the run will keep going somewhere else yeah, after that. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's a really good show, and Thanks, it's man. and it's and it's gonna get it's gonna get better. That's yeah. part of the fun, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I really appreciate you being here, Hasan. Thanks for having me. Say good night. Good night. That's it! Episode 51 is in the bag! And with all due respect to 40 through 50, it's quickly become one of my recent favorites. Thanks to Hassan for inviting me into his closet, and thanks to his wife and friends for not questioning what exactly we were doing in there. I'm so happy to say that more new episodes of Writer's Black are on the way with some amazing guests, including the new host of Red Eye and Fox and storyteller extraordinaire Tom Shalhoub, the head writer of The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, the fantastic Jubin Parang, and, your ears don't deceive you, the inimitable Sam B will be joining me to tell us all about her own upcoming late night show, Full Frontal. Oh my goodness! Tell your friends there's never been a better time to be a blockhead. And don't forget, we've got 50 episodes of Writer's Block Podcast to review and enjoy. It's never too late to remember something you forgot. Remember that. That's all for now. Say goodnight, blockheads.